Hi everybody, today we are talking to Nick Daly and Lisa Vickery from McDonald's Farm, um, a touring park and glamp site near Padstow in Cornwall. Hi guys. Hi there, you alright? Yeah, Hi. very good, thank you. Hi there. Um, thank you for agreeing to have a chat with us today. Um, we're talking to you as our entrepreneurs of choice um, for this month or this issue. Um, okay. <laughs> so I guess to start with, please can you tell us about your enterprise um, and give us a brief outline of, of what you're doing there in Cornwall? Yeah, no problems at all. I'll hand you over to Lisa. She's probably best to say that. Uh, so we are um, basically a uh, camping and touring park here um, on the North Coast, which is a beautiful place to be. Um, we bought the farm four years ago. And we have spent the last four years renovating it to quite a high standard, um, some, somewhere we'd want to camp with our children. So we're quite family focused here. We have um, a range of um, camping, glamping and B&B rooms available. And um, we're really proud of it. We just got the um, five star rosette from Visit England. Oh, congratulations. Wonderful. Thank <laughs> you. We got that last month. It's four years of really hard work working and um, all year round, really, even when we close for the season, we continue to work through the winter. We've got two children under three, so it's been a labour of love. But wow. we're um, we're really happy. We've got to a place that we're we're quite proud of our campsite here. Brilliant. So, um, tell us a little bit about what you were doing before you came by the farm. Um, where were you? What were you doing? Okay, so um, we never owned a campsite before. Basically, uh, Nick, our partner, he um, he basically works in Surrey, so he owns a company in Surrey that's a property development company. So in terms of us turning this farm around, he's very good at uh, having a vision mm-hmm. and then creating that vision. I come from a broadcast world, so I was a journalist at the BBC for 20 years. Nothing to do with campsites at all. I used to make <laughs> documentaries about people like us. And... Um, <laughs> We, we moved down from Surrey four years ago in lockdown, uh, pregnant with our first child, and I got made redundant from my job, and we then uh, found this campsite um, uh, in within a year of moving down here. We had no intention of buying a business, but it seemed like a really good idea, and also given that um, my job involves a lot of organisation, we thought it would be quite a good match for me to yeah, do some work had, here. You had the skills, um, brilliant. Yeah, I think the alpacas sold it. We The farm came with quite a few farm animals, and I think we saw the alpacas and thought that looked like fun. <laughs> Gosh, so what kind of state was the land in? Was it an actual working farm or was it a tourist attraction? What what did you have What did you have to work with? Yeah, so um, I'll take that one if I may. We, so what, there was an established business that was about 20 years, old but the the core business was um actually a day attraction um i mean it's called mcdonald's farm i use that term really loosely because yes we do have some animals but i'm sure there's lots of farmers around here that would sort of chuckle at us if we we actually called ourselves a full farm it's not really like that um so we what it was originally was a um so a day attraction and then they had the three b&b rooms they had a campsite but because as you can imagine, it's quite difficult to run all three businesses from a campsite, a day attraction, um, and then a cafe that they had as well. 
Um, and the owners were lovely. I think they bought it with an expectation of wanting. So, so sorry, they bought it. They they owned it five years previous to us buying it. And I think they intended to do a lot of modernisation work, but then realised how much that could potentially cost, and chose to run what was here before. Um, and we came in and thought it had it hadn't really been updated for about 15 years, so everything was very old and at the point where it was kind of putting plasters on everything. Um, so what we chose to do was to focus on the accommodation. So we went into planning and created a glamping area, extended the pitches and reduced the day attraction. So it's smaller, but then charge a lot less money for day entry. Yeah, um, I saw that. So you can come in as a, uh, is it three pounds for an adult, two pounds for a child? That's exactly that, right. Yeah, that's yeah, a really so, lovely, attractive way of, yeah, providing quite an, um, uh, yeah, c- quite a good facility for people also through the, the tourists. It's very affordable is what I'm trying to say. I'm guessing you're getting then more business through the cafe as well that way. Yeah, I think what, what we struggled with is when we purchased, you're absolutely right, when we purchased it, we looked at the reviews. And I think customers' expectations now have grown over the last, you know, when this was built 15 years ago, it was a really quaint, lovely little place to, to come and visit. But now, you know, places offer so much more, don't they? Everyone wants kind of more interactive and automated stuff for people to do. And the reviews were just kind of quite underwhelming about the day attraction. Um, so what we decided to do was we actually, when we did the campsite refurb, we decided not to have a day attraction at all, but people just kept turning up that had been coming for years. So we then sort of thought, well, we've got to charge something for entry. So we sort of feel now that it, it offers real good value. Yeah, it, it definitely seems to be certainly in that part of the world where you can't do a lot of things particularly affordably. <laughs> yeah. um, that way. Um, so who had... I mean, the vision, how experienced were you in glamping and, and where did you research what it was you would like to offer and find the structures and the layout and the well, the whole offering, really? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I think, like Lisa said, my background is, um, is property. So we do vast amounts of planning um, and taking sort of fields into being housing development. So... The planning background was something that I was really sort of my remit. We've we've been on lots of campsites throughout the years, and I sort of grew up sleeping in backs of vans, um, you know, whether it was down at the beach or whether it was in a proper campsite. And we just what we wanted to do was try and create something that had that real glampy feel to it. Um, so it was a bit funky. So we didn't want sort of traditional toilet blocks, for example. So we sort of created. Uh, cladded buildings with, with up lighting and little plant areas where you come in. So it, it sort of feels a bit rustic. Um, and just offer a bit of luxury as well. Cause especially in Cornwall, you know, the weather can be amazing, but equally pretty rubbish. So we wanted it to, to offer something for all seasons, you know? Yeah. And did you make use of, um, like the farm business innovation show and the glamping show? Or did you basically hit Google or through the magazines or what, what, how did you? go about researching what you wanted to offer it's quite interesting that i mean we in terms of um i did go to i actually went to glamping show lisa couldn't come because one of our little ones was unwell um and that did result in us having uh purchasing four safari tents this year um 
that was really good to sort of show me what was on the market. Yeah. Um, whilst I think your off-the-shelf glamping pods are pretty good nowadays, I still think there's a lot of... Basically, I think because we come from a construction background, I kind of look at a glamping unit costing £60,000. I think, well, yeah. for 80000 I can build something that's a lot better than that. Yeah. Um, and what they... You know, the big thing for us is, is that we also want to consider ongoing maintenance. So we, we've put in, for example, grower um, sanitary wear throughout with, with a view that hopefully it lasts for many years. And a lot of the, the pods that you buy... They're very glossy when you walk into them, but the, the, the sort of back end side of it, in my opinion, it, it, you know, is not is not great. And I'm just not sure how they're wearing for four or five years time. That is a very good point. That's a very good point. Um, and did you go for, I'm just interested, were they the clear sky safari tents or the bond safari tents or? Yeah, so. I have to say we we will go we were going to go with another company but in the end we did end up going with Clear Sky, um, and so I have to say they were absolutely fantastic. Um, Mark the owner, he you know Mark the owner was amazing. The install team was amazing. Um, that we did quite a lot of research on a variety of different tents and their tents are sort of up there with with the high end ones. Um, but the service was amazing, really, yeah. really good. So we did love you. Brilliant. Okay, so you're open from April to October. Is that right? Yeah, first of April until the fifth of October. And obviously, you've got your B and B rooms throughout the year. Um, yeah. And how many glamping pods, or sorry, tents do you have? Yeah. So we've got. Um, we had. We had four bell tents which we've now converted on the deck to safari tents. We've then got a potting shed, which is a tuba sort of timber cabin, for want of a better term. Um, and then we did buy one of these, they're called a Finman sleeper. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, so we bought one of those from the glamping show. Um, and that's, that's quite quirky. Um, so we, yeah, that's been a bit of a labor of love. Um, so we've, we've put that together as well. And then we've got 65, 70? Sorry. <laughs> camping, I don't know what he's putting. Um, 71 camping pitches, of which I think about 50-ish are electric. Sorry, I probably should know that. Um, and then we've got the three bed and breakfast rooms that we refurbished as well, uh, which is above the cafe. Gosh, and the cafe. Tell, I mean, I... <laughs> I'm very impressed that your cafe is open from 8 in the morning to 8.30 at night with yeah. all manner of amazing dishes and offerings in there. How I'm guessing that was quite a ramp up from what was there before? Yeah, definitely. I mean, what, what they offered before was um, a, a very basic um, food offering and um, it, was, it was fine. I mean, it worked really well for what they were doing. Um, the, the cafe, we... we yeah, I mean, I'm sort of hesitating because I'm not sure whether that was a good decision yet or not. It, <laughs> what it's done is it's brought another layer. It's another business because obviously you then need to employ a chef to cook food. Um, so before you know it, you've gone from focusing on accommodation, day attractions, to now offering food. But what we were finding is people, we didn't do food the first year we opened, and people would turn up, pay to come in, have a lovely time, and then come to the, it's like a bar cafe point we have. And say, right, what, 
for lunch and we kind of went, oh, we don't do lunch, but we've got some sandwiches in the fridge. And you kind of watch these people's faces go, what? Yeah. Um, so we then installed a commercial kitchen and this is our second year. Well, we only installed that last August. So this is our first full season with a, a full working kitchen. And a very fancy chef by the looks of it. Pardon? And a very fancy chef. Um, quite a renowned yeah. chef. Yeah, he's he's a great guy. He's a local guy, and he owned his own um, uh, restaurant um, not far from us for a number of years. Um, obviously, with what happened um, with the energy prices and everything going up, it just became a bit too marginal. So he's which which has been great that he's come to join us. Um, and we've we've also got a, a sort of dedicated small team that do pizzas as well, which are all made from scratch, which work really well. So yeah, the food side is definitely exciting. And I'm, I'm guessing is that bringing people in just for the food offering because it it it, it does look very lovely <laughs> from what I've seen on the website. I'm guessing it becomes a bit of a destination just to eat or just to eat to come and eat. Yeah, I mean, I, I think people are like all these things. It's everything you start up takes time, doesn't it? And I think the uh, the local consensus of what McDonald's Farm was is very different to what it is now. So it takes time for that word of mouth to spread. Um, but we're definitely starting to pick up. A fl- I mean, obviously, when we're in high season, it's kind of a, I don't know, it's a, it's a no-brainer. There's people there and they order food. It's more trying to the shoulder months and when you're not full, trying to get people in so you can service that staff between sort of eight, as you said, to eight thirty. Um, but it's definitely growing. Yeah, and I love that you're offering um, well music as well and, and events. You're really sort of rounding out the offering you've got a bit of everything going on there so the the talent the the um the musicians that you've you have you're you're, you've got quite a busy events calendar really Um, well i'll pass you over to lisa for that one okay definitely a rematch so yeah that's i get to the nice things here but for us it was really um we're kind of in the middle of nowhere here so it really was when we've got people in Let's capture them and make them have a nice time here rather than going elsewhere to look for entertainment. So we really want to support local. And I, I had a really enjoyable couple of months sourcing local talent here, which we have loads of in Cornwall. And there's lots of young musicians, very talented musicians, that really want an opportunity to play. So um, we found some fantastic people that will come and play for us. We also want to engage with families that come here. So we do things that a lot of campsites do, like family quizzes and games. We have our animal activities very popular. So because we have animals, we really wanted to make the most of that. And so we offer anything from goat walking, pony experiences. You can come and pet our fairy little friends here. Mm-hmm. Um, animal tours. We do all of that. And that's, again, making the most of and, and looking at opportunities within the farm. To, to create an income, but also to give people a really unique time when they come here. And I think that's the one thing we have, our USB, is we have this little pecking farm. So um, it really helps us to kind of sell this place, especially to young families. Absolutely. I mean, I've got, um, well, they're not so young now, they're six and nearly 10. But if we're going anywhere, it, the first question is, is there a cat? Um, which I often have to ask. <laughs> and if there's not a cat, is there something else that's furry that isn't too bouncy, like a dog? Um, but yeah, and once you've found the place, there really isn't any s- swerving away from it. So you end up going back and back and back because you just have those wonderful memories. And, and I don't know about your children, but my children just 
just want to recreate those memories every year, which is really sweet. So it becomes easy for us to select where we go because once we found a good place with a good cat, we we just keep going back. So I guess it's the same with you. You must have a lot of repeat. Mind you, you've only been going four years, but I bet you'll find you'll have a lot of repeat (laughs) business. I think, you know, it's really interesting because before us, um, the original owners that built this place, John and Karen, are very much loved and feel very well respected in the community. They captured people, um, that magic of those, you know, those holidays back when we were children. So, you know, the really simple way of life. They captured those people and some of the families that have been coming here have been coming here for 20 years. Their children are now teenagers, but they grew up here every year. Wow. And we really, really wanted to try and create that same magic and just in a, in, in a different way. And we've had people that have been coming back to us for the last four years that stayed in the bell tents last year, want to come back and try the safari tents and are really excited by all the changes. Yes. And what we love is we're hearing a lot of repeat customers saying, every year you're just upgrading, you're doing something different, you're putting something else in. We can see the amount of effort you're putting into this place. And I think Nick and I, there will be a point where we have to stop and say, okay, we're done. But I think um, from a customer point of view, the feedback we're getting is they really appreciate that we are continually investing in what we've got here. And um, I think another thing is as well, it's really helpful to have, we've got a three-year-old and a nearly two-year-old. And I think what's helpful is we looked at our garden and we looked at our campsite and said, as a family, what would we want? So we want clean facilities and and child friendly facilities, but like foremost. And then also, we want a garden where children can relax, have a drink, and not worry. And it's safe. And um, I certainly need that when I go out with my team. So I think we really have designed this with parents in mind. Yeah, you've got that lens that you yeah you're looking everything through that lens and yeah, absolutely. And it's a lovely it's a lovely sort of mission vision to have to create memories like that I mean a lot of people say that but you genuinely want to and you're carrying on a tradition that's been at that site for all those years I mean that that is really special um I guess in a way that brings me back onto this next question about how do you keep ahead of the competition you've got a very clear sort of focus on what it is you're trying to achieve but but are you looking at you're in a quite a busy part of the world for accommodation provision um how are you managing to stay ahead of the field it's a really good question i think um the one thing that i would say uh, so we're we're looking at for example the diary i mean this is our second first full season opened as a refurbished campsite um and i think the one thing that we may have done is by us being so geared towards families what that means is that i think we it's quite difficult for us to get maybe the sort of slightly older generation that wants to come to a quiet site in low season so we find when the kids are up we're literally bursting at the seams but when they're not we're we're not actually as busy as perhaps some may be um because for those people that are looking to go to you know for a quiet site and you know, they perhaps might choose an adult only or not at a site that's so geared towards families. Um, so that's one thing that we just need to kind of maybe think about our marketing moving forward. Maybe we sort of try and balance it a bit more. Um, to answer your question about the accommodation, I think the biggest thing, isn't it, is that you've, 
your reviews are key. I mean, if I go to book anything and there's a review that's kind of under nine, I won't go there. Um, so I think our, the big thing that we pride ourselves in here is that we need to make sure that the basic things don't get forgotten. So clean facilities, customer experience, and tr- and trying to be really customer facing because I think that's the, the key to repeat business and people having a nice time. Um, in terms of trying to sort of say sort of with the competition or ahead of it, hopefully at times, is I think there's a real beauty for the site. We're only nine acres here, and two of that, or no, sorry, one of that is is the paddock area. Um, the beauty of that is it's still quite a small site. So I think a lot of people quite like that. Um, and it's the different types of accommodation we've got here, which I think would, would, would hopefully help us. You know, you could stay in a safari tent. I mean, we've gone above and beyond with the facilities we provided for those tents. We don't have a little toilet and a little kitchen. They've got fantastic facilities. So we're just trying to do everything where when people turn up, they go, wow, this truly was a luxurious day. Yeah, it's beyond their expectation. And then you're always going to yeah. get a good review when you've exceeded what somebody's, you know, thinks they're paying for. Um, yeah, exactly. There are two sort of standout trends that um, keep pop- well keep popping up. They're pretty evident everywhere, really, in, in all the research. Um, obviously, sustainability, and the other is wellness. Um, are you plugging into either of the I mean obviously I'm guessing you sound like you're inherently conscientious people so I'm sure you've got green practices going on at the site Um, but the other thing with wellness tell me are you looking at introducing anything along the lines of I don't know how you would define that some people would say wellness is saunas and hot tubs some people would say it's about providing a space to just breathe and relax and and I'm wondering if that's something that is more of, of more interest to those adult-only, shoulder-month-type people that wouldn't necessarily be coming in the main school yeah. holidays. It's a really good question. I mean, we, we've we already bought, when we bought the place, we kind of said, right, what do we want the place to become ideally? And we bought um, the domain names and things for food at the farm and wellness at the farm. Okay. So, yeah. The long-term plan, I mean, we actually put planning in to convert one of the barns we've got here to a yoga studio um, at the beginning of the year, which we've got granted. Um, and I think long-term, we're definitely looking to focus in on, I mean, the reason we've gone to put what we call hard accommodation in is because at the moment, in October, the business shuts, that's it. And what we'd like to do is to be able to offer long-term retreats um, and out of season retreats, be it for art classes, yoga, surfing, whatever that may be, and pairing up with a, a local surf club, which are two, you know, either side of us, we've got King Surf, which is someone that we send all our, our friends down to or people when they come and stay. And then we've got Waves that's the other side uh, of the valley. Um, so I think that's, that's definitely something that we're looking. I think the big thing is, is that we've done... For us, we've done an enormous amount since we built it. And I think it's really important that we focus on getting the core business working smoothly and efficiently before we try and add something else in. Yes, people make that mistake often, don't they? They try and do everything at once and then spread themselves very thin. That seems a very sensible way to do things. And you're still so young, really. 
um, in terms of how many seasons you've been going. How are you finding that adjustment from your previous roles into full out hospitality management, bookings, people, problems, all that stuff? I have found it horrific to the point <laughs> where I don't even know why we bought it half the time. Uh-huh. So, you know, to, uh, being a property developer, you're employing people that are, um, even down to trade, they're all very, generally very professional people. I know the building game doesn't have the best uh, of reputations at times, but actually, you, you know, generally you're employing really quite solid people and definitely on the office background. I couldn't cope with the hospitality side that people, if they're not happy, for whatever the reason, perhaps something we could change or something we couldn't, sometimes they just get in their car and drive out the car park. I'm like, what's happening here? So I found that, yeah, I mean, the hospital, I mean, the chef side of things we found enormously difficult, didn't we? Yeah, I think finding those key core people to come and really invest in us as well. Um, has been really tricky. We have a fantastic chef now and we're very lucky. And what he wanted was a project and we're like, here's a commercial kitchen. Here is our farm. Could you create a menu that will complement what we're doing yeah. here? And he has. And he's been fantastic. Um, so we're very lucky, but it's, it's, the hospitality sector is really hard and finding staff and, you know, making sure because a lot of people want to come down here and then you have to provide accommodation. So. There's all of that side of things as well, which is quite tricky. Yeah. yeah. So how big is think, your team? Oh, sorry, Karen. No, no. One thing that I was going to just add in is I think that whilst COVID was great for certain elements of this industry, um, what's been quite challenging about staffing is that um, clearly the hospitality, and, and I blame it heavily on Brexit, the hospitality industry, there just isn't the people there. I mean, the foreign workers we used to have are definitely not in the country, so it makes it very difficult to staff. And I think also um, with COVID, there were so many people that did this whole, oh, I want to do a life change. So, oh, let's go and be a warden on a campsite. And they turn up and you'd go through in the interview, look, you know, there's a lot of cleaning that's got to be done. There's a lot of draft work. It isn't just pottering around and then going to the beach every evening. <laughs> and we had we went I mean so what we do now for example we simply will not employ a warden unless they've got at least three seasons experience because they they turn up with rose tinted glasses and end up it just doesn't work so um so yeah sorry so that that's kind of been the key thing isn't it I think the staffing's been a a challenge yeah how big is your team now because you've got quite quite a lot going on Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's something that, weirdly enough, I've been looking at this week, just the budgets again. I mean, you, you basically had, so we have a full-time receptionist, so um, up until the end of August, you, you seem to be busy on the phone every day. So we have a full-time receptionist. We've always got one person front of house, low season, and then obviously a chef in the kitchen, um, and then two park wardens that are kind of full-time doing the the grounds, the facilities and changeovers. But then above that, you've probably got another five, six, oh, sorry, we've got an animal manager as well that's here for, you know, she does sort of part-time hours a week. But the, the pool of people is probably about 20, and they'll range from doing 40 hours to some that will only do five or 10 a week, if that makes sense. Gosh. So your overheads are significant. It's quite scary, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> It's a really good, it's a really good point. I mean, look, from, from the face of it, people turn up here and go, oh my God, it's, you know, this is lovely. It's, it's great. 
Um, I'm not, as I said earlier in the call, I'm not 100% convinced yet that, I mean, the cafe and the food side is a business within itself. So, you know, if you went to set a cafe up tomorrow, you'd have at least two or three people working in that to cooking, serving and clearing away. Um, so, you know, there is, I, I'm not sold yet that we've actually got the balance right. And this year will probably show that. Um, you know, but I mean, some days you can do really good takings on the food, and then sometimes you cook one lunch, so it's a difficult balance. And I guess, but it, yeah, there's been quite people. So I guess it's going to take a couple of seasons to kind of shake out where the sort of revenue is most effective, and and sort of work out, <laughs> yeah, from a business point of view, the the balance in the mix. Um, yeah, because it's probably quite early days to see profit, but um, I'm guessing because um, of all the investment you've you've done. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, last year we um, our business runs till April, and, and we did turn a profit last year. Um, we, you know, this I think what's different this year is we have kind of ramped up on the the food side of things, so there is a bigger overhead there. Um, but, and also, I mean, I don't work in the business day to day. I kind of deal with anything when we do a project. Lisa does work in the business day to day. Um, and she deals with kind of all the events planning, overseeing the book, you know, spot checking bookings to make sure that's all going okay. And the marketing side of it, um, and the music side. I think what we've realized, if we're honest, is if you live and own a campsite, even with the best will in the world that we said, we're going to pull away and have more time with the family <laughs> and let someone else general manage, which we have done, you're never fully out. I think if you own a campsite and you want that campsite to work, you have to be customer facing. They want to see that family run business. They want to see us in the business. Yeah. And also I think for us, we always have that fear. We've put so much in, we've invested so much in everything that we need to make sure it's being run properly. So I think there's that, we've got one foot in and we'll never fully come away, will we, really, from the business? No. No. So I think for anyone that might ever think about undertaking mm. something like this, it's been fantastic. Like, it's a real, it's a really different lifestyle from the one we had up country. And it's beautiful. We wake up every day to this incredible sky, to lovely people. Um, but it's a lot of work. This isn't what people come in and see. It's a lot of work, a lot of money, and um, there's a lot of risk involved. Yeah. I think. So you, yeah, it must be still be in that scary phase because you're still, you know, four years in, and you've done a lot of work before you sort of first full season. But um, I think you wouldn't have done it unless you deep down somehow you you could get through this tricky phase and it, it, see the sort of the positive, amazing bit at the end. I think you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You're definitely in the scary roller coaster bit, aren't you? Um, in a way. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I've, I'm a firm believer that to build anything is always takes some, you know, to build something good always takes a lot of effort. And when I started my first business 16, 17 years ago, you work every hour God sends. I think the the one thing that we didn't realise when we bought the the campsite that was here before is just quite. You look at it and you think, you know, oh, okay, okay, well, this is this is how it runs, and we'll be able to manage that. 
And it, there's just vastly more to it than we certainly thought, isn't there? I think, yeah, if we look at it in stages, you know, if you look at year one and, you know, Nick was running around the garden with board shorts, flip-flops, catching goats, you know, <laughs> and then having to go on and go up country and do his proper job. And um, we come from there where we were totally green. We had no idea what we were doing. I was having to program a booking system I had no idea about. And we look at how far we've come now where we actually understand how this business operates and how it works effectively. So I think if we look back that over the last four years, we've come on so far to, to where we are now, but we still have lots to learn. And, you know, there are campsites in this local area where there are people who have been doing this for years and years and years. So we do not take this for granted and we do not think we know everything there is to know at all. I think we're still very new to this. And um, we are always learning, hence why, when we looked at the bell tent and we looked at the wind we get on the valley, mm. we knew that the structure of the bell tent wasn't going to work. But, you know, for us, it yeah. was just going to cost us money. So we are always trying to improve what we're doing because the safari tents are a much better structure for us and a much better offering. Um, and I think we'll just continue in that way. When we feel like something isn't working for us, we will try our best to change it and improve. And I think, you know, as long as we've always got that drive every day when we get up to to create a, a really quality stay here, then then we're doing something right. Well, I think I you're doing brilliantly. I mean, honestly, and and you're still, yeah, no, it, uh, you've got the right attitude. You're doing everything right. I think I think you're going to be a fantastic success, and I think it will grow with your family, and you will. Well, yeah, well, actually, I'm going to be down your way in July, so I might pop in and we would love say to hello. Have you here. Children, come come and try us out. I have to say, our son, who's three, his uh, three, he's nearly two. His first word was tractor. We don't. This is not a working farm, but apparently, I think he will be on a tractor. So hopefully, you know, we've created a place that our children are going to grow up in. I mean, it's a dream for most children. So yeah. you know, it's a lovely place to bring a family up, and we're very grateful for that. Thank you. Well, there's a um a couple of last questions, really. One of them is, who is your inspiration? So is there any person or any place that you've been, any similar offering or part of an offering that you are trying to emulate or would like to emulate in, in, in your future with this site? I have to say, um, there isn't anywhere that we, well, I speak for myself, there's nowhere that I've been that kind of gave us the inspiration. I actually think it was more the fact that the camp... Whenever I used to go away in the van, even well before we had kids, I tended to not want to go to just to the traditional campsites because I preferred the more rustic nature, if that makes sense. So there's a place called Rhetoric Mill, which is a really rustic place in more than four. But what they what they absolutely nailed for me is the very relaxed vibe. Um, it was really inviting. The people that, that run it and own it and work there were really, really nice. And, and I think that whilst what we built is very different to them, I mean, it's very different, the essence of how they approach it and their approach to people and the relaxed nature of it was what mm. we really wanted to impress upon what we've got here. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, rhetoric mill for us, that was our first when Nick and I were toll free and <laughs> have a bit more fun. <laughs> We used to stay there, and um, it was all the festive nights, live music every night, great food. For us, that was our first introduction, really, into Cornwall, and um, I think that's 
something that we kind of took from. And when we said about campsites, the lovely people that run it said, look, we'll help you. So we got the Pete Brothers from them. They gave us a lot of support and advice. Wilkie runs it. He was helping us move hay up here. So we had a lot of support from the local community. And we did actually stay next door to the current mill in a place called The Park, which is a bit more upmarket, a bit more uh, specialist. We stayed in one of their yurts and they had this fantastic communal kitchen, didn't they? That actually, um, yeah, the communal kitchen. And, and we looked at that and went, how lovely. They've got their own glampy area and they've got a communal kitchen with all the stuff you need to cook. And it was really beautifully done. And I think we've taken a bit of inspiration from that as well. Oh, that's, that sounds great. I have to look them up. Um, and <laughs> this is a funny question. How do you relax? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> not applicable <laughs> I think I think to be honest um, I think we could give an answer that people might want to hear we don't and that's probably one of the negatives at the moment that um, I mean I haven't helped myself because I've, I, I have a full time job in a company that I run in Surrey and this has become bigger than what I thought it was going to be so yeah. that's really difficult we've obviously got two really young kids I think I think if we didn't have our kids it would be a different conversation but ultimately with hindsight I mean when we bought the place we only had one child Sophia and we weren't planning on a second and having two kids is a, for us is a total game changer than just having one. This nonsense about it not being that much more difficult, I mean, for us, it's been um, a lot harder because there's always one of them awake or, you know, you've got to deal with. Um, so I think where we, what we need to focus on ourselves now as a family is actually creating that downtime because we, we, we haven't been able to prioritise that. And we will be pleased to know we brought a camper van and for the very first time since our children were born, Last weekend, hmm. we went away to another campsite. Yeah. <laughs> we went to another campsite where there was a thought about, well, it's going to be a bit tricky. Let's just stay on our own campsite. But we drove right up the coast to a beautiful place called Gwydion, and we stayed on a campsite there. And it was amazing. And we actually became campers. So I think there's going to be a lot more of that, hopefully, in the summer. Oh, yeah. lovely. I love that. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, thank you ever so much, guys. That's been really delightful to chat with you um, and best of luck for the future. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you so much. <laughs>